are listening to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast where all topics are on the table, from brotherhood and faith, culture and wisdom. So pull up a chair and join us as we talk about the things that build us up and make us strong. Welcome back to another Strong Towers podcast. I am your host, Tom Edwards, here with John Ackerman, and we have two special guests with us this week, Sean Bowles and Bob Hassan, the authors of Wired to Hear, uh, a book about hearing God uh, in your work and, and bringing our relationship with Jesus into the marketplace. So Sean and Bob, thanks for joining us today. We're super stoked to have you on. Oh, thanks oh, for having so me. Yeah, thanks. So why don't we just start, uh, you know, real quick, give us the, the lowdown of, of who you guys are, how this project came together and, and all that. Sean, Bob, it's your turn. <laughs> Sean and I have been friends for many years. And uh, in 2018, he had this word uh, from the Lord that really, really got my attention. It was the genesis for this book. Um, he heard the Lord say that he marketplace leaders are going to be the next forerunners and the next great move of God. And that really got my attention because I've been in the marketplace for 45 years uh, running a business and sort of understood the the, the difference between um, the sacred and the secular, if you will, uh, the church and the marketplace. And, and I thought it was exciting. And so, Sean, uh, our friendship uh, just led into uh, this project. Well, we had a lot of conversations about what does it look like to be a person of faith and does it change in a marketplace and does it change the metrics or change anything? Does it add that much value? And that's what people are asking for is like, you know, does Christianity actually have value, tangible value, metric changing value? And we had tons of conversations about our own history and our relationship with God. And it just, it was forming a book and I had already asked Bob, you know, we need to write together. We need to write a book. And I didn't know what it was about. I just knew it was about connecting to God's voice so that we actually can make a difference in, in the world around us and in this in this genre. And um, and then it started to evolve as we went out and we spoke. At, I, I hosted a couple of tours and we would speak during the daytimes of those nighttime tours. We'd speak to business people. And I just could feel like Bob's presence for them was so grounding and so fatherly. And then I could feel like we were both imparting a lot of hope and courage to actually walk out. You know, a lot of people, when they talk about faith and business, they're like, God, my CEO, or, you know, God's my boss. And it's this like detached kind of version of relationship with God versus like, actually, I'm going to walk with God. He, the first thing he ever did for man is put him in the garden and give him a job to do with him for him. Yeah. And so I, you know, I was like, we need to, we need to tell people and teach people and encourage people and disciple people. And Bob and I together, I think with his business background and my, educational background slash being a business person and the ministry as well. I think it's been a lot of fun. Well, and I think you guys talk a lot about uh, in the book, almost kind of shifting our cultural norms of, of uh, like you said, the, the secular versus the sacred, Bob, of, of I have my church life and I have my business life or, you know, what I do in the marketplace. Um, and you actually told a story in, in the book, Bob, about a business owner that told you that uh, planning and, and action and all that is, is not uh, believing in God. And, and it's, it's a lack of faith, right? And, and so in the book, you guys talk about faith being risk. 
Could you elaborate on that? What do you mean by, by actually having faith being risk-taking? I think if we look in our normal lives, I'm, I'm smiling right now because uh, if we look in our normal lives, having faith is risk because what we're doing is losing control. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're trusting in God. So lots and lots of business people will understand the metrics they're going after. Uh, they'll look at their stock price. They'll, they'll look at the ROI. They look at their operations. They look at cash flow. They look at the numbers. And, uh, but they forget about God. If you think about the intersection between the kingdom of heaven and uh, strategy and practical thinking, if you think about that as an intersection, we want to be in the middle of that, you know, implementing uh, the kingdom of heaven, implementing God's voice, implementing, figuring out how is our wiring to hear? How do we apply that to our practical strategy? So, we, Sean and I, through all these events that we've done, we've seen people who look at us like we have a third eye as we start to talk about uh, bringing faith into the marketplace for decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and we're seeing more and more and more that God is active and God is practical uh, in our workplace. And he wants us to partner with him. And the way that we partner with him is you know, by hearing his voice, by listening. And Bob, I really appreciate the direction that that you and Sean are taking us in. Um, And we were talking about this before we hit record. But, you know, for everybody listening, if you're new to Strong Towers, I mean, you may have just caught us recently a couple of weeks ago with our 21 questions, you know, conversation where Mike, Tom and I were just throwing random questions at each other. And all of a sudden, here's a question on faith or here's a conversation on faith and, you know, hearing God and involving God in your workplace. And some of you may be listening to this going like, where are these guys going? They're all over the map. And to be fair, yes, we are. I mean, the tagline for Strong Towers is we talk about everything, you know, from brotherhood and faith to culture and whiskey, like it's all on the table. And if you've tracked with us for a while, we've talked about the importance of work, of there are things that we are made for, that we are wired for, that, that God has created us for. And yet, Bob, what I hear you saying is so often, even when we find that calling and we step into it, it's still almost like we want to keep God at arm's length sometimes. You know, God, thanks for the opportunity. I got it now. I'm, I'm on it. And Exactly. And I don't know the human condition. I don't know why we continue to do that. I think it's it's our pride. I think we were born with it as original sin. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. But uh, as Sean and I, as Sean and I continue this conversation about uh, about hearing God uh, in the marketplace, I think people are finding that they hear God if they'll do an experiment and really try to listen. That they hear God in many ways. Uh, we were talking. Sean and I were talking about this fact that when. When we go into our prayer time, we might have a list that we tick off the list of things that we're praying about. And then at the end, we might, okay, we'll have three minutes to listen to God to see if he'll answer our prayers. Well, um, there's an active listening piece that I think think we all need to learn how to implement over maybe sometimes weeks. We have an issue that we're bringing before God that's that's demanding. We're demanding an answer. Uh, 
so how are we going to listen? We can listen through scripture, we can listen through prophetic words, we can listen through mentors, we can listen through conversations with friends that are totally about something else. And then our friend speaks to this problem and doesn't even know that they're speaking. Mm-hmm. We, we, have, we can listen through movies. There's all this process that we go through to hear God. And if we would take the time to take this lens off of what we think uh, normal believing and hearing God is and open ourselves to hearing him uh, in different ways, I think we're going to have a different result. Yeah. It's a two-way conversation. That's what I hear. Yeah. So why is the this idea of work and our role in the marketplace why is that an important piece of our identity and and something that god is going to care about you know like john said we sort of even if we we go through that process of of identifying and understanding what our natural uh giftings and talents are uh you know we we tend to just run with that um and that becomes our almost I need to control this more because it's the thing that I'm good at, right? And so why is it important for us to let God into those places? Well, it goes back into God's original intention. I mean, he created Adam in the garden, like I said earlier, for a game of job. Him and he both a job to steward. Then when they fell, he gave them the gift of finding identity in the role of toiling and nurturing, nurturing their family, toiling the ground, the whole thing. So he gave them that. That wasn't a curse. That was actually him saying, I'm still going to give you significance. You're still going to steward. And then you see the children of Israel, like they were given and appointed all of these roles. And it wasn't just the religious roles. As a matter of fact, like we were studying uh, with some rabbi uh, scholars about the, the school of prophets back at, that Samuel started that Elijah took over. And these schools, you had to be a contributor in society in a business. So you had to be a well-known business person in society before you could even apply to them. And the Judeo-Christian kind of modern Western world belief system, a lot of the ministry that we do is so centered on how do we build a local congregation, which is important. We need to build a local congregation. I'm a total congregational church person, but uh, it's so much of our identity comes from how we participate in church. And then our express identity outside of that isn't as valued. And so what I love about the Old Testament, which is a prototype, is that people would find great significance in their role that they would do. Jesus was first a carpenter. And I remember one thing that Bob told me that was like, I mean, lights went off in my head. He said, can you imagine doing business with Jesus? He was probably a stonemason <laughs> doing like how, cause we, I had just had a slew of terrible contractors on my last property. And, and he goes, can you imagine if Jesus was the foreman or like the, the head contractor for your whole project and what a difference it would have made. And just the, the applied nature of the father that was inside of him and how he would do the contracts, the bidding, the overages, everything, like how he, and I was like, Jesus, I want a contractor like that. And the whole world does. The whole world wants a doctor like that and a lawyer like that and a contractor like that. And we're supposed to be that. And part of how I, I always refer to, you know, Solomon, at one point, the Queen of Sheba comes because all the kings, according to Solomon, were either coming or sending their people to come and watch how he would just jurisdict the, the, the law, let alone the city infrastructure, the education system, the palace, the temple. And the Queen of Sheba comes and she said, I thought what I was hearing was exaggerated, but then I came and I saw it. And it's so awesome that this proves to me, now realize she's the most powerful woman in her generation. She's trying to lead with the most power of anybody else. She wants to be that influencer. She said, this proves to me that your God loves his people because he raised up someone like you.
And if we go back into what Jesus did for us, I mean, on the cross, he died. We can become part of God's original plan. We can become restored to his original vision, which was to be his sons and daughters, to, to steward this whole thing with him. And we have roles to play that he dreamed of before we fell. He dreamed of before the time began. And those roles, we still have a measure of as we do now. So when you think of that, like we want to hear from God because we want to be the most bright and shining version of what God created us to be, because that reveals his love. The whole world's gonna be like the queen of Sheba, like surely your God's real because you exist. I mean, like I'm an environmentalist and surely your God, you know, exists because you've just solved one of our biggest problems that we've been trying, there's been no options for, and God gave it to you and you're saying it's God. And I have to believe that because you actually solved the problem. And we're seeing this in so many different genres. Bob and I host a podcast where we hear people all the time called Exploring the Marketplace who who tell us like their story. And it's like, they're, they're a before and after moment to their industry. I think, uh, John, Tom, think about this, whether my numbers are right or wrong. Let's say 98.5% of us work outside the formalized church. In mm-hmm. other words, we work out in the marketplace, we have jobs. And I know that, you know, there's some people uh, who work in formal churches who have jobs too. They, they they go both sides. But if that's the case, if that high of a percentage uh, of us are working out in the marketplace, um, of course God cares about work. Yeah. In in Genesis 2, he breathes life into Adam, like Sean was talking about. And then, and then the very next thing he does is says, go tend to the garden or go to work. In John... Jesus says, my father and I are all, my father is always working and so am I. And so work is this, is this massive part. I know I just skipped a whole bunch of the Bible, but but work is this massive part of God's plan. So if we talk about our identities, like what is our identity, the baseline identity, who are we? We are loved sons and daughters of God, right? No matter what we do on the positive side or the negative side, we can't change that. That's who we are. So his identity uh, uh, our identity in, in the marketplace, in our jobs, is that we are sons and we are sons and our daughters of God. So it's it's our pleasure at work to give to be bent towards people um, with with the heart of God coming through us. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about evangelism. I'm talking mm-hmm. about caring for people. I'm talking about having grit and work ethic. I'm talking about doing a good job, showing up on time, being early, leaving late. I'm talking about um, doing all the things that show our character. Like, why is this person the best worker here? Why do they have the best attitude? Yeah, It's because we love Jesus and Jesus loves us. And that's our identity. Yeah, I, I feel like that was another shift for me in the book um, from the way that we tend to think about, okay, my place as a Christian in, in work is I've got to be that person in my office, right? That I'm going to bring up Jesus whenever I can bring up Jesus. And I feel like it was so refreshing that you guys kept hitting on, this is not a call to evangelize every day, all the time. Now, obviously there is a place for that. Um, and, and we are called to that as well, but this is about being a person of faith and showing God the Father, showing Jesus through what we're doing and having people pick up on that and then asking the question of what is the difference, right? Well, and I think with that, I would say, you know, there's transformation is our goal to see ourselves transformed, to see the people we love transformed, and then to serve in our region or our industry to see what God's original plan and design that could be restored, whatever could be restored. And it doesn't mean that we're going to be the king of the, every mountain, 
but it does mean that there's Joseph's and Daniel's and Solomon's and there's prototypes of people who were very investors, very valued in their society for what they were doing. Some of them were indentured servants. Some of them were, you know, the, the second in command, but because they were in position, people groups were saved. And I just think like for us just to be as aware of our assignment of what God's called us to do in our work as we are enjoying the work itself is super important because then you'll take those runoff moments of like sharing your faith or sharing how it happened, but just what you're doing preaches the love of God when you're doing it with God. And that's what we, we wanted to steer away from like a prophetic evangelism at the workplace book. You know, we wanted it to, to be a book that's like, how do we walk with God and see the results of Ephesians 3.20 says that God dream beyond what we could dream or hope or imagine for our life before, you know, especially before we were born, I'll add that part. And so what was, what were those dreams and how do we dream with God? The only way to do that is to hear him. Mm -hmm. that's, that's so good. And the other thing, you know, from what, what Sean just said about indentured servants. So people are asking us, well, like I'm in an entry level position. How can I, how can my culture change a company? How can what I do change a company all the way up, whether you're a supervisor, whether you're in the C-suite, you have the ability to change uh, a culture by your love of God and by how you're hearing him, by your work, your work ethic, your process, your influence, um, your wisdom. Are you willing to care about the person that you're working next to? Are you willing to help them? How many times do we all hear, uh, I have this job where people are climbing over us and you know it's not safe and there's a, there's, there's a, a fear-based culture. And how do you change that? Well, you change that by being a person of honor, a person who's listening to listening to the, the word of the Lord and applying it at the place where you spend so much of your time. And I, I love that you're bringing up some of those automatic limiting thoughts that seem to come to mind when we start to entertain notions like this, right? Well, who am I? How could I possibly make a difference because of the role that I have or things like that? Or even just as we mentioned earlier, some of the thoughts that seem to come to mind quickly of, wait, invite God into my workplace? Doesn't that automatically mean loss? Doesn't that automatically mean weakness, you know, removal of control, less profit? And, and I love how you just flipped it and you're like, no, like it, it doesn't mean your work's gonna suffer, doesn't mean you're gonna suffer. And it's so revealing it, the way that we truly, you know, in, at a heart level, think about God and think about ourselves, that that would be the assumptions that we would have about inviting God into this, you know, what for us has felt like sacred space. And, and Sean, I love that you brought it back around to, for us to have this kind of effect, which is so much more overwhelmingly positive than we've prob probably previously considered, the, the secret really is we have to learn to connect with God conversationally. So how do we do that? Well, and the, the church has been driving a narrative of uh, everything's going to turn and burn. You know, we're going to turn and everything's going to burn behind us. It doesn't matter. The environment doesn't matter. Agriculture doesn't really matter that much. It's like these are all lesser roles because what we're looking at is we're going to become a priesthood under God that we won't care about the mundane things. And that's, that's a wrong narrative. The narrative is, God sat in this creation on the seventh day and was like, this is amazing. Like God himself going in it because <laughs> it, it has nature in it. And yeah. so we should be, we should love doing agriculture. We should love doing the mundane things. We should find as worship, like worship in the Western churches, three songs on a Sunday, two or four songs on a Sunday, one fast, two slow, one fast. And that's our worship. Mm -hmm. But worship biblically is actually like offering yourself in everything that you do 
as an act of sacrifice that God, you can have this too. And there's also been a mentality that if you surrender your career or your life to God, he's going to destroy it and then maybe rebuild it versus God actually has come to restore all things and make your life better. Like John 10, 10 is to give you the full life. That's life. even Paul said to Timothy, like to your wealthy people, teach them not to glory in their wealth, but to live the life that's truly life. And what he's talking about is to do purposes that actually bring true spiritual fulfillment in the midst of the wealth, not to destroy the wealth, but the church hasn't treated. And when I say the church is the big C, the church has had a lack of understanding when it's come to this, but we've, we've hit a head on crash for this subject because number one, half the world's billionaires claim to be believers. Now that's the first time in history. Number two, the most powerful financial people group in the world is not a country. It's not California. It's not America. It's not China. It's actually Christians. The religion of Christianity is, holds 51% of the world's wealth right now. This is in the book. You can find out where sources are. So that means we already have the money to change the world. We already have the power to change the world, but we need the revelation. So even in the book, we talk about like, you know, the great wealth transfer that a lot of charismatic circles talk about where God takes the wealth that the wicked had and gives it to the Christians. It's happened. It hasn't happened in every country and every place, but it's happened for the whole world. So now we got to figure out what do we do with this and how do we do it together? Because everyone starts an anti-human trafficking ministry organization. Everyone starts get on a cause and everybody starts their own version. But Jesus prayed in John 17, I pray that they would be one as we're one because then you could solve the problem. So I think one of the signs that we're hearing from God is that nothing began or ends with us. It began and ends with Jesus and it's for Jesus. And also that we start to get opportunities that link us past things that we're not even, we don't have the skill, talent, or social economic status for, or the education for. Like God wants to call you to something that you cannot perform unless you perform it with him, not for him. And so I think that that's a huge thing. And so Bob and I wanted to pack a bunch of this stuff so that people can get a bigger perspective and then find out, yes, I do hear from God. It's not just the audible voice, but it's also all these different ways like Bob talked about. Now, how do I walk in a, with him in a way that satisfies that deep longing in my heart, but also satisfies a that's on the earth right now to say, where is God? Well, you're about mm -hmm. to show him off. You're about to show him off in the entertainment industry and then, you know, in sports and then in janitorial supply companies, which we've had some of those recently, you know, there were some testimonies. There's so many ways that God's showing off right now, but we have to be present. So uh, in the book, you talk about uh, conversations that you've had with people that, that don't think that they can hear from God period, or don't think that God wants to speak in the marketplace. And, um, you know, you take them through kind of this process of reverse engineering, you know, the last six months or the last big decision or the last whatever. Um, and so we could talk about that a little bit, but also moving forward, you know, what does that look like for us to involve God in these decisions and to hear from him? You've talked about a couple of different ways that we can do that, but um, can we kind of get practical for a minute and, and just talk to people about this is this is what this looks like if we're going to give this up to God? I love it. I'll do the first part and then Bob can do the second part. The first part, because I've done this, I mean, I've had this conversation a million times. And my, my goal for you is to take any excuse you have away that says, I don't hear from God. Because you were wired from the time you were before you were born to hear from God, to have communion and connection with God. Just like you were wired to have a sexual identity, a relational identity, you have a, a conversational identity with God or, or a relational identity with God. And uh, so I think, you know, for me, I'll sit down with somebody like this, the story you're referring to is in chapter one. And I sit down with a businessman who's a friend of mine and he says, my wife's the one who hears from God. She's the perfect one, the intercessor. I'm like, I hate it when you say that. I hate that because that means you don't have responsibility to hear God, because like she's the one who does that. I don't I don't really do that. I just have a few epic times that things have happened, but that's it. 
And I said, well, tell me your last three or four big wins you've had in life and in your relationship to your kids. Cause that's a little bit more personal than even the marketplace. And he's like, I was super wealthy guy. He's like, okay, well, you know, he starts to tell me about his son and how the son took a leave uh, of absence from school until he was going to go into a master's program. He wanted to take a year off to do missions. And he met a girl from a developing nation who was also doing the same thing. She was going to get her PhD and she took a year off and they fell in love. She came from like, they called her the gypsy. She came from a family who'd never owned a home, but they were all highly educated, but they were in a developing nation. So they just didn't have like a huge importance on family. And so like, he's, he's marrying her, but she's coming to a family that's all family. It's all like, they all have homes, they live close to each other, they're raising each other's kids. And the grandparents, which is him, are like desperate for her to get rooted and grounded. And so, so we decided to give them the starter money for a home here uh, to be able to give a huge down payment of the home so that they could actually nest and root. And I said, well, what happened? And they said, well, the first year of marriage, she never wanted to have kids and she got pregnant, changed her whole career to be an out-home career, but she's still I mean, high power, amazing woman. You know, but they ended up having three kids in five years. And she loves being at home. It's changed her whole life. She loves nesting. And I'm like, okay, so your good decision changed her capacity, changed her desire, cut off some generational stuff that was like unrootedness, no homes, no wealth. And I mean, you you change her. I mean, she now wants children and has children because of you. You're powerful. You're a powerful hero in the story. And I started laughing, you know, like, wait a minute, like, are you really that powerful? It's like, well, I mean, it was God. God did that. And I'm like, well, how did God do it though? Because you did make the decision. Where did you make that decision? He goes, well, my wife and I, you know that room we have in our house? We turned it into a prayer room and we were praying for what to do for them, for their marriage. So I'm like, you were praying and an idea came to you. Well, yeah, but it was just kind of like an intuition. I just knew. I'm, I'm kind of making fun of him now. He's a really smart guy. I shouldn't. But he's like, I'm like, a smart idea came to you that cut off generational stuff that caused a destiny change. He's like, oh, this was God. I said, how did you hear it? And he goes, well, Sometimes when I when I um, am trying to make a decision, I get really quiet and I just I focus on the decision and I just kind of think of God's goodness and then I'll get it. Something will pop in. So like so, you know, so an idea will pop in. I'm like, that's revelation. You're super prophetic. That's how you hear from God. It's intuition. It's instinct. It's all these different ways. And in mature conversations, according to popular psychology, seventy percent of people who have mature relationship don't converse with words. No, so let me say it again. Seventy percent of communication is nonverbal when you have a mature relationship. So that means with God, a lot of our conversation, because of 1 Corinthians 2, the Holy Spirit, his job is to search the deepest, most innermost thoughts of the Father and relate them to you. And we are the first people group in history, including beyond the Jews, they didn't have this either, that have full access to the perceptions of Christ. It says you have the mind or the perceptions of Christ. This is a revelatory encounter defined by Paul. This is how we're supposed to live, how we're wired. So that means that we should expect, like we're praying for our friend and we get a nudge, or we're thinking about a decision and we're like, I think I am supposed to move. That we should feel and know and then start to attribute that not to our own good decision-making power, but there's a God who's amazing. So that's the first unpacking of the first question, you know, mm -hmm. and Bob can give the second part. Yeah, I think I'll tell you a story. A number of years ago, uh, my company was performing a large project and uh, towards the end of the project, uh, there was a dispute about payment. And uh, so I flew up to this job site with a team of people and we were in a conference room with uh, general contractors, owners, representatives, developers. And uh, so we sat down and, you know, in the, within the first five minutes of laying out the issue, one of the people on the other side, you, you know, when somebody gets so mad, a bane comes out in their forehead. <laughs> this guy, no, so we don't know that. his face turned red. 
And he started just screaming at us, telling us uh, and the general contracting team that we were, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. And this is a big, complex 10-year project. Um, and so what happened to me is I, I started to get this reaction. And because of how I grew up, I grew up with an angry father. When somebody starts yelling at me, you know, everything goes off. So I've got two options. I'm either going to start crying, which as you know, what wouldn't have been good, or I was going to jump over the table and, you know, throttle the guy. So in the middle of this being yelled at, you know, God, I hear this voice, get up. And so I'm, I'm listening like, I, oh, I've got this other option. So what I did is I stood up and I said to this man, um, Joe, me and my team flew up here uh, um, with goodwill to try to try to settle this dispute, but I can't participate in a disrespectful conversation. So what I'm going to do is my team and I are gonna walk out of this conference room for 15 minutes. And if you decide that you would like to have a respectful conversation, um, we'll come back in. And we did, we left. And we were standing outside in the parking lot and I, everybody was shaking and my team was like, we need to get out of here, you know, contractors, F those guys, right? And, <laughs> um, so I was like, no, we're gonna wait. And, but I felt this sort of peace of God come over me in this insane situation that, 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 um, that pushed all my buttons and all my troops. Um, the end of the story is we walked back in and before we even sat down, Joe said, you know, I'm really sorry. I've been under a lot of stress. I don't usually operate business this way. And 15 minutes later, we had a, a positive, uh, favorable settlement. Um, but the thing to me is that I had practiced, you know, over years listening to God in the smaller things and the things that um, maybe seemed mundane. Uh, I had practiced talking to other people, going to Sean and saying, I, I think I'm hearing the Lord for this. What do you think? Um, and and it, it, it's a, it literally is a practice so that when you get into these situations, whether it's a crisis or whether your adrenaline spikes or whether you get put into an impossible situation, somehow you can clear space, you know, to hear the Lord. So, I mean, that's a, as practical of a story as I could give you about something that happened, you know, at work. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's it's interesting, too, in that story, um, you even said, uh, you know, you're, all of the buttons were being pressed to make you go a different direction, mm -hmm. right? And, and you had put in that time um, to know the Lord's voice, right? My sheep will know my voice. Um, you had put the time in so that when there was that attack, you had the relationship with him to be able to still hear that there is that third option. There's not what I, what I want to do. There's maybe not what the enemy wants me to do right now. Um, I have that third option because I do have a relationship with God who, who I know I'm confident wants to speak into this exact situation right now. That's, um, and that, that's awesome. If there's one thing that you would say to people in terms of hearing the voice of God in the marketplace or not, just in general in life, if there's one thing that you would say to somebody maybe that, that hasn't had that experience, hasn't put that time in, what would be that one thing you would say to them? You can hear from God and it's worth it. 
Because I feel like I wasn't born under a star with a birthmark like people sometimes because I have a ministry that's known for hearing from God. If anybody here has heard of me before, and I've had some pretty epic um, wins and some some failures I've had to take responsibility for as well. But, uh, you know, like I put the work in. I didn't, I, I have friends who were like just abnormally gifted. Just like if you have the friend who's the best musician, you never play yours around them, you know, because you're just like, why would I? And I feel like we have to come out of all that weirdness and just go, wait, I want to, my own, this is not a talent. This is a relationship with God that I'm going to develop that can potentially create the, what well, will create the best version of life that I can actually walk into relationally and work-wise and everywhere else. I'm going to put the time in. And it's just making those decisions day by day to do some listening prayer. And we're each, we each can read the Bible for ourselves. We believe that. We each pray for ourselves. We believe that but we don't always believe we're going to hear from God for ourselves. So we go to church hoping the pastor will say in his message something that will be an answer to what we're crying out for to God. And God in heaven as a father is going, I'm a jealous father, come to me. I want to, I'm going to spend time with you. I have answers you couldn't even dream of. Like just turn your face, believe in me, have faith, you know, and, and I think this is a game changer. Yeah, like I talked about earlier, I, I would say to all the listeners, if you know, you're know you experiencing something, an issue, a problem, something that's, that's, um, you're, you're thinking about constantly, ask the Lord to speak to you and take the time to listen in the myriad of different ways that he speaks. And, you know, it might take a day, a week, a month. I don't, I don't know, but I know that he's faithful and he will speak and give direction. Yeah. That's good. And so Sean, Bob, for people that are recognizing now, I want to invite God more fully into my business life, into my corner of the marketplace. And I've not done it, or I feel like I've not done it. I mean, Sean, your story about the guy that's, that's obviously been making moves with God almost without realizing it, but I now want to do it consciously. It sounds like from what we've said so far, don't necessarily start with the big things right? Start small, but what would it look like to begin with God here if this hasn't been done before? I think Bob and I would both answer this a little differently, not because of our, just because of how we coach or consult people. I mean, for me, I, I, I if somebody came to me and said, hey, I want to lay out my business with God and just like really hear God about some things, we would look at the problemed areas and the, and the, the good areas, the fruit and the abundance, and then also the problem areas and we would recognize what God already has done and build a story around it. And then look at areas that are weak and try and find where they're, where God has tools for us, whether it's other employees, relationships, outside sources to find, to strengthen the weak areas. And to me, it's, um, you don't have to, I mean, David's first thing that he killed wasn't Goliath, but it was a lion, hmm. you know, a lion and a bear. So it's like, it's, these are real issues we have to tackle, but we do have to build a record of faith so that we could tackle the bigger and bigger things. And ultimately what you're gonna be going after and hearing God's voice isn't always delivering from something and just to get you out of trouble or to get you out of financial cash performance issues. It's also to get you into what God planned for you. And so that's what we're, our, our ultimate goal is to not just learn how to hear from God so we're no longer in trouble or we're no longer reacting to everything, but actually so that we could proactively plan with God for all that he wants to do through our industry. And I have friends who are you know, working in the aviation industry on technology that shouldn't exist yet. It's so sci-fi, you know, and they're working on this and they're, and they're believing for God for some things, but they, it's been 20 years just trying to get out of problems. And now, and then once they finally kind of said, no, God, this is yours. This, the problem's yours. This is yours. And he, he simplified things in such a quick matter of time. Once they, once they got it, just in the same way, when you're dating your spouse 
once you get married, after you get past that kind of that initial, like, how do we live together? This is weird. This is hard. It, it can become the greatest source of partnership you've ever experienced. And you can actually grow in a way that you'll never grow without a spouse. And I'm, I was, wasn't married until I was 37. So I love being single. It was great. But I love my married life. I feel like I've grown in my whole 37 years. I've grown more in my married life in 10 or nine and a half years or whatever, nine years than I did the whole time before that because you're, we were made for partnership. And so once we invite God to partner this way, you're going to exponentially grow in your perspective, your joy, your enjoyment, your connection, your problem solving, because you're including somebody who, if you could have an audience with the best business coaches or the best people in the world right now, you have the God of all the universe who lives inside of you, who's going to bridge you to resources and opportunities that you couldn't make up if your life depended on it. I wish I could answer it like that. that <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm much more practical and I hear, I hear God in practical ways. And so, uh, I think, I think that, you know, if someone's building a business, I'm always telling them, all right, well then let's develop a strategic plan. Um, there's an analysis called a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And Sean just, Sean just talked about that in, in the way that he coaches people. I, I, use, I use that also. And I think we have the ability through the practical details to hear God. And we have the ability to partner with him. Um, he, if, if, if a son asks for a fish, you know, is God gonna give him a rock? No. Um, if, if the desire in our heart is to get a job or build a business or move ahead in our job, God wants to partner with us. And, and I think that we're wired to hear all these different ways and he wants to speak to us. And so for me, uh, coming from a place where you know, I, I kind of thought, well, all my friends hear God, I don't. For me, expanding my 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 ears and my eyes to asking the lord will you speak to me in all these different ways and will you help me you know to understand it's your voice and when i was learning this i i had to ask people do you think this is god and and so i think you know moving forward if we're starting from a place where maybe we've never heard god or never recognized that we've heard god um uh, opening, opening ourselves, our spirits to hearing his voice is just going to be a revelatory experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not being independent. I love that, Bob, not being independent, but finding a community who will support that. Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciate that you have, you've pointed out too, that it, it doesn't happen the same way for everybody, right? God has multiple different ways that he speaks to us. And sometimes we can get hung up in, you know, I, I think most churches do use the hearing uh, phrasing, but there's so many different ways that God can speak to us. Um, like you said, Bob, that, that we're not recognizing. It's not that he's not speaking. God is speaking all the time. Um, and how do we best recognize his voice and, and taking the time to, to figure that out? And that happens in community, like you were saying, Sean, that we get connected to people that um, can help us on that journey as we become more and more and more familiar with, with his voice. So, Sean, Bob, if people are intrigued by this idea, where can they get connected with the both of you, each of you, uh, to continue to learn and grow as they're trying to take this next significant step in their life? The cool thing is um, we have our website, bullsministries.com, where they can get our book, Wired to Hear, or they can go to any bookstore and get it. 
But um, the cool thing is we have a, a weekly podcast as well, which is called Explore the Marketplace, where we want to put people on display who are walking this out, who are hearing God and they're seeing changes. We've had surgeons and venture capitalists and our, uh, uh, artists and farmers and all kinds of people already on this show. And I, I feel like it's the proving ground to say this works because these are normal people who you wouldn't normally expect to hear in, this, in light of a subject like this. And yet we're proving that this is what God's doing. And so I think for us to say God's moving in the marketplace, it's time to hear him in the marketplace. We have the book, we have we have events pretty regularly on our platform at bullsministries.com. And then we also have our weekly podcast. And um, Bob is coming out with another book after this. It will be another announcement for another time. Uh, but we both have other books and, and, and materials that, that also support this. Yeah, you can find me at bobhassan.com or I'm fairly active on Instagram. I think it's at Bob Hassan. Yep. And Sean's really active on Instagram, so uh, it's fun to watch his watch him. I want to be a TikTok star, though. That's my goal. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, thank you both, guys. We we really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Um, you know, if you're listening, go out and get the book because it is uh, it is absolutely revelatory in terms of how we as believers see our role in the marketplace uh, and and how we partner with God and how he wants to partner with us really is the part that we've been missing, uh, you know, that, that he wants to be a part of our work um, and our day-to-day. Uh, so we're, we're really thankful for you guys, um, thankful for the, the ministry that you've got going, and, and uh, we hope that this message gets out and more and more people feel comfortable enough to uh, to actually take the time to pause and listen to what God has to say in, in their job. Well, thank you so much for having us. We just feel honored to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Before you go, we just wanted to take a quick minute to thank you for being a part of the conversation and taking on this journey with us. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app and throw us a like or write a review. All of that helps other people find our show. If you're looking for more, head over to our website, strong-towers.com, and sign up to receive notifications whenever we release new content. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at strong underscore towers. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, We Are Strong Towers, to keep the conversation going throughout the week. If you want to support the show, Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash strongtowers for your chance to score some Strong Tower swag and get access to exclusive content. We appreciate y'all, and we'll see you back here real soon.